Welcome to Ballsafe, a look at the commercial side of the pinball industry. My name is Ryan Cravens. I have three things that I really want to accomplish with this show. The first one is to put a spotlight on the commercial side of the pinball industry and the people behind the operating companies and locations that make it up. I also want to show how these businesses are surviving during this pandemic. It's, it's been pretty difficult for many of them. And most importantly, I want to get the attention of Debbie Harry. Yes, that Debbie Harry. Blondie. She's a big pinball fan. Just look it up. There are tons of pictures of her playing pinball. And I hope that she might hear this through somebody that I want to play pinball with her, even if it's just a game or two. The focus of these shows will always be my conversations with people in the commercial pinball industry with an emphasis on them, not me. Now, having said that, I'll just give you a quick background of who I am. I grew up in the arcade industry or coin-op industry, whatever you want to call it. My first job was age 13 at a small family arcade in Kirkland, Washington called Quarters. From day one, we always had a very strong lineup of pinball machines, and that's where I really fell in love with the game. Also, I know nothing else. I have no other skills, so I'm going to be working in this industry and working with games for the rest of my life, which honestly is not a bad gig at all. That's enough about me. I want to talk about this uh, first episode. It's uh, the inaugural episode, and it's a conversation with Logan Bowden of Quarter World in Portland, Oregon. Portland is the epicenter of the commercial pinball industry in the United States. Logan has a lot to say, and there is some salty language. So if you're offended by strong language, you probably do not play pinball in bars too much, and we are not your type of thing anyway. So please enjoy my conversation with Logan. Logan, welcome to Ball Safe. Mm. Thank you, Ryan, for please, having me. Please do me a favor and introduce yourself. My name is Logan Bout, and I am Director of Operations here in Quarter World uh, in the wonderfully fun overcast city of Portland in Oregon. Okay, and it, as we prepared uh, to talk about this, this podcast is really going to be talking about the business of the pinball industry. Uh, mm-hmm. Most podcasts uh, are about high scores or how to fix a pinball or, you know, what, what's going on in the, the world of pinball as far as new ones coming out, code updates, all this. This is going to be a little bit different. And really pinball, the pinball industry started with these machines intended use for making money. Mm-hmm. And that is where you come in. And so explain Quarter World, how long it's been around and the overall business that it is, because most people may know it as just a location. Yeah, so Quarter World started actually in 96 um, by uh, a fella named Philip Ragaway. Um, and what it was is he owned a bar and he had an operator in there uh, that was doing his pinball and the pinballs were always broken. So he was just like, what about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my own pinball. So he got his own pinball and other, you know, and, and he, was, he was a man of the town, so... You know, he knew a lot of other bar owners, so they would come in and, you know, the pinball is working versus the ones at their bar that's always broken in and off. Um, so, hey, you want to do the pinball at our bar? And he's like, sure. So he bought some more games. And it it originally was just sort of like, uh, it was the beer beer money. It was the beer fund. Uh, but, you know, as uh, no pun intended, the ball kept rolling. And, (laughs) and, 
And it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and then about 11 years ago, at this point, um, it, it's starting to become an entity. Um, uh, it's not just a thing on the side where, uh, you know, he needed someone to run it. So, um, so we had a fella named Tyler kind of running it kind of between like a, you know, it was just kind of a part-time gig at the time. Uh, but he decided to get married and move to Canada. So someone needed to take over quarter world. And I had just kind of moved here from, uh, from Boston. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. You know, my art degree wasn't paying off. So <laughs> what? So that I, is shocking. I know. Right. Fine art photography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took over about uh, 11 years ago and, uh, you know, I, I decided to just kind of dig in and uh, and just kind of see see what I could do to make Quarter World much bigger. Which you know, you, it's it's much bigger now. Um, so, at so the time, really quick, I don't mean to butt in, but if we can kind of get back to the beginning is what you were talking about how Philip had this bar and an operator was running the games because I I think most people believe that when they go to an establishment, they own and run the equipment, be it the jukebox, be it the video games, like a golden tier, a buck hunter or a pinball in that, in that location. That's usually not the case. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, uh, pinball, as we know, is, you know, the upkeep on pinball ain't, it, you know, it's not like just r- rub a damp rag over it and you're good to go. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of upkeep on that. Uh, the same thing with a lot of games, you know. I mean, you got to think that uh, even a television uh, in a bar versus a home is going to be on about five times more. You know, the, 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 show, the, the lifespan of anything in a bar is way shorter uh, than in a home because it's getting so much more use. It's on all the time. Um, Pre-COVID, pre-COVID, the TVs in in your house now, they may be getting just as much use. Oh yeah. There's a little smell of us. I bought a new T I I bought a new TV during, during the shutdown. You know, if I'm going to stare at a wall, I might as well get the best looking wall I get and get. (laughs) Um, but no, yeah. Uh, you would, um, have these, uh, you know, the games in the bars would most likely be, uh, run and operated by an, an, an operator or, or, or vending, um, such as what we are now, uh, at the time we were, you know, we were just someone that had a bar and we decided to put our own games in it because, uh, a pinball at the time, 96, um, wasn't really a thing. I, as we all know, that was about the time that a lot of pinball companies shut the doors or if they were not shut already. Um, it, you know, uh, it just wasn't, Pinball wasn't what it is right now. It was. It, it, it was wasn't fun. cool at all. It was. It was on the downhill slope. Um, but uh, so in two thousand and want to say two thousand and six. Two thousand and six is. I come on. I come onto the scene, um, and at the time there was like these little small pockets of of uh, of pinball gangs if you will um because that's what originally was going on here in portland there's there's pinball gangs uh there was there's the cff crazy flipper fingers uh there was um 
There was another one. Uh, there was the Whiskey Dicks that they came off later, um, which still to this day, if you walk around Portland and you look at uh, some of the high score numbers, like you'll see, you know, someone's name in CFF or uh, WDX. Um, okay. And, you know, and that was the thing. If you were a gang, you would go to you would go somewhere and you'd see someone's uh, uh, letters, initials up on the pinball. And you're, you're you know, you would rally the troops to go take down that other gang's letters on the pinball. Um, that, those, those were the gang wars that, that went on in the pinball community. So I, I thought that the least intimidating gangs were the Jets and the Sharks from West Side Story. Yeah. When you're, Guess jet, what? you're jet all the way. It, it, from your first cigarette to your last dying day, you're a jet. Mm-hmm. Now I know that there is a more meek uh, gang out there and they're pinball gangs. <laughs> And that's great. And I love it. I mean, the thing about the pinball gangs is, is they won't hurt you physically, but they will definitely dampen your soul. Oh, <laughs> uh, they hurt you on the inside. Um, yeah. You walk away. <laughs> that's, I mean, therapies have retired on some of the stuff that pinballs and players have inflicted on people. Um, but no, I, I digress. Uh, so, so you, so you have these, these pinball gangs popping up in, in Portland. Right, right. And, and, the, and the thing about these uh, pinball players, and, and one of the things that I, I feel made some of the pinball players just so great at what they can do is, you know, all the pinballs at the time, uh, the, the majority of them in Portland were just jalopies. I mean, the, it was, you know, you had to figure out, it, I mean, uh, you know, you, you walk in, to a new pin and you're like, okay, how is this game supposed to be played and how can I play it? Because half of it don't work. Uh, you know, and you learn how to, uh, adapt to the, 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 the pinball pinball. Yeah. You know, unfortunately nowadays, you know, you walk in there and like, there's a slight blemish on a rubber. Someone's going to be calling you and be like, this, this table's junk. This is garbage. Come fix this. I can't play on this. Um, <laughs> you know, and so, so, uh, so that was my main objective. I started, you know, walking, going to all these, you know, cause I like pinball. It was my favorite thing um, out of all the games we we're running, you know, and we're running like pool darts, fuck darts, by the way. Um, <laughs> arcade. Oh, darts. we're going to get back to that. That there was some vitriol with the darts. Eight <laughs> darts. Uh, all this, there's all these other games, but pinball was the one that I, I liked the most. So I, you know, that's what I could stand behind. And, um, and I really wanted to reach out to, you know, all the pinball players and be like, what do you guys, what's your, what do you hate most about pinball in this town? And most of them were just like, it never works. Um, so, you know, pinball at the time and no one seemed to be doing it. Um, I was just like, well, I'll just have the best playing pinball tables in town. And if you want to get at that time was not no, a cool thing. And no one, and everybody had most of the operators had abandoned pinball at that point. Yeah, they just wanted to be done with it. They didn't yes. want uh, anything to do with it. And it was and 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 that was the thing about Portland at the time is is pinball was was a thing. I mean, you know, pinball kind of started here. I think I want to say like two thousand three ish um, is when you started getting a lot of players, um, you know, rallying around this this one entity in, in their own local bars and watering holes and like asking uh the the bar to be like hey can we get some pinball in here 
you know, um, and, and, and back in the early 2000s, you know, your locals were also your friend. I mean, your bartender was either your roommate or, you know, so, um, you know, the bartender was like, either I'm going to give you what you want or you're probably going to go somewhere else. So, so the operators of these bars would be like, "Ah, I think I have a pinball. Let me see what I got. And, you know, at the time it, it was, it was, there was a couple operators that still had some pins that they were running. And, and the, and the thing is like they had just come off like the late nineties. So they were dusting off their medievals. They were dusting off their attack from Mars and their monster bashes, you know, the cream of the crop and like pushing these out. Um, you know, it may, maybe, and a lot of the operators that didn't have would just be like, all right, well, let's buy a new Stern. Um, and at that time, you know, that's when you're talking about like, you know, Simpsons and Lord of the Rings and, and, and that, that hunk of pinball at the time, the, a lot of stuff on the play field. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're in 2006 at this point, I'm going around, um, increasing the quality of, of pinball. Um, and there's also at the time. Uh, there are, you know, there's every week there is a pinball tournament. And my goal was to try to make my locations, the ones where all the tournaments happen. Um, and then there's like a yearly. So I'm really kind of trying to design these, these spots around town, which these tournaments can go on. Um, and, and, you know, and, and that's the thing, if that's where the tournament's going to be, those are going to be the places where, you know, you're going to go and practice. You're going to, you know, so those start to become the little hot spots. And if I find out that like, a tournament is going on in this location, uh, that's not one of my locations. I'm going to that location, talking to the bartender, talking to the owners and being like, Hey, I should have, you should have my pinball in here. You know, my pinball is better The you know, my pinball plays the best in town. Um, and at the time, you know, not to sound cocky or anything, but it was, um, at the time. Well, but because it, it, and not not that it's cocky, but you're the only ones that actually cared and, and put effort and time into pinball because yeah, you, because you had no competition. At the, well, at the time, you know, it, it was it was it was pool jukebox, uh, uh, maybe, maybe yeah, buck hunter at the time, um, mega touches. Remember those? Yeah. What were those all these things that smartphones destroyed? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, smartphone okay, yes. killed the mega touch. Um, like that but but uh yeah so and and the thing about these these they're they're money makers and it was like no effort on the operator it was just i'm gonna put this here and it's gonna just money's gonna pour into it and i knew that i i I could just look at numbers and be like this this is what makes the most money let me look at pinball it makes the least no because because here's the thing about pinball plays really good pinball plays you don't make any money off them nope because because they can plunk in that 50 cents at the time 50 cents and they'll just get they'll get the they'll get the replay uh you know they'll play that ball forever um and you know they can play for you know like an hour an hour hour and a half and you've made maybe a dollar um yes and that's you know uh, is, so as as the operator, yes, that is. So you're not making 
as much money as you would on a golden tea or a jukebox, for goodness sake. And we right. can get into how you really make money on jukeboxes. A lot of people don't know about the uh, overplay. I believe that's what they call the overplay feature. Um, uh, yeah, where, where let's say line. you you select a song and then I come up or use my app and I select the same song, but yours hasn't played yet. It's only going to play the song once, but it charges both. It's a neat little trick in the jukebox world. And, and they've been doing it for years. I think it's called overplay. I forget what it's called. Um, yeah, well, there's that. There's also the, um, if you want your song played first, yes. you can jump in line. Yeah. Um, but, but no, but so, so, so for the operator, yes, the pinball's not, not the, the biggest moneymaker if it's operated where we're the old school mentality where you have that 50 50 split. So everything that goes into the cash can is, right. is split amongst uh, the, the location and the operator equally. Um, but the location loves a pinball because like you just said, this pinball player is going to be there for an hour, hour and a half playing. They might get a little thirsty and they might have well, a beverage or two. They might. That, what, no, 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 no. You, you're exactly right. But our pinball players, they, they like, they like the game of drink just as well as the game of pinball. Yes. Um, and, and, uh, and, and this is just from my observation. I could be 100% wrong about this, but if you take uh, a pool player, uh, a, a dart player, a pinball player, and a buck hunter player, the pinball player is going to drink more beer. Um, and, and I think what the bar saw is, and, and this is why pinball kind of started to set off is, Who's bringing more money to the bar is because that's the thing like games and activities will bring people to your bar um, and, and keep them there longer. But if they're just sitting there not drinking, then the bar is not making money. But if there's a group of people that drink more like the pinball players, well, then you're going to cater to them a little bit more than you are uh, the, the, the other things, unless, you know, uh, you're, you're, you just really like pool or, you know, um, so, so yeah. So, so the pinball made more money at the bar. So because the pinball player, and that's what people wanted, I come in, I, and, and people were like, get quarter roll pins in here. And the thing about getting quarter roll pins is, you know, well, if you want our pins, we got to do everything. Yes. So, if you want to so explain what, what's everything as so a full line operator. I, I walk into a bar. They've got like three pins that are just busted. and But they also have a jukebox and a pool table and a bug hunter and a mega touch and some other BS. So, you know, I'm going to walk in there and be like, hey, you know what? Pinball uh, is really good. If we get one or two more tables in here, you're going to be a tournament location. People are going to be coming out here to do the tournaments instead of Joe's hole in the wall bar down the street. Um, so we pull this game out, we pull this game out, we bring these in. I'll take care of your jukebox as well. I'll take care of this as well. I'll do this. And they're like, Oh, well we have another operator that does that. I'm like, well, you know, look at the quality of your pinball. That's what you're getting with that. Um, and, and they, you know, in, in turn would be like, yeah, they are complaining a lot about the quality of pinball. All right, let's do it. So I come in, I, 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 I bring in the pinball, uh, you know, uh, I'm, 
you know, I'm, I'm shopping stuff. I'm, I'm visually there working on the games um, more often than anybody else. So they, they, they're comfortable with that. And I just kind of keep doing this all over town, wherever, you know, uh, the people like to play, I'm trying to get my stuff in there and that sort of starts to grow. Well, the other operators start kind of catching wind of what I'm doing. Not (laughs) happy at the time. And so they're, quality of pinball starts to come up so the bar just kind of keeps going up and up to the point where like you know if if you're gonna have if you're an operator and you're gonna route pinball in this town and you don't want to lose your location then you need to maintain your uh your pinball and not to the point of like all right let's limp it along anyway so so the quality of pinball is coming up yes um and uh Another thing that starts to happen is all of the um, pinball players are growing up. They're no longer in, uh, you know, they're graduating college, uh, Reed College or whatever they're doing. Like they're, and they're, they're leaving Portland um, because at the time Portland was just where either people in their 20s came to retire or it was just kind of a place to hang out before you decide to move on to what you're doing. And a lot of these pinball players moved to uh, other uh, major metropolitan areas. So like San Francisco, um, New York, Colorado, Texas, they're all moving down there. And, you know, (laughs) and just like Corona, it started to spread. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's funny that, that you say that, well, not the Corona thing, because there's nothing funny about that. There's nothing uh, funny. Wash your hands. Yeah. And wear a mask. Uh, yeah. But the, the talking about the Northwest. So according to pinball map, uh, which is a lovely app, uh, there are more pinball machines on location. That's what we call in, in public areas. So on location where everybody can play, not in somebody's basement in mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon, than there are any other major city in the U.S. And then number right. two is Seattle. And, and when you... Uh, t- is it? it? It was. It was recently. I haven't checked it. Okay. Uh, I knew it used to be a fight between Portland and San Francisco because... Which I thought was bullshit because they... How they added the pinball together, they kind of reached a little bit like into Oakland. And I was yes. like... Bah! Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I think they were looking more at. So now, now also speaking speaking of pinball map. Yes, it was originally called Portland Pinball Map because it started here. Really, I did not know that. So it, it so was it, created by I mean, created by a guy uh, Ryan. Uh, I have his personal phone number. Oh, share phone. with everybody. Just say it really slow nope. and loud. Nope, nope. Yeah. It's great because when I go to other cities uh, and I'm like reporting stuff, uh, I can be like, hey, what's a good place to go here? And like he'll get me in touch with like the local uh, uh, admins and stuff. Okay. Uh, so like they'll, you know, show me around to the cool places to go. That's awesome. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so- your best friend in the world is a pinball map. Uh, administrator they are the best well and so with uh you know with with the, the northwest and in you know uh at my company so i work for stern pinball um and this will not be really? a show podcast i thought you work for quarter world i know well i'm wearing the shirt come on now uh 
Now, the we refer to Portland as Pinball USA, uh, just because it's, like you said, it did spread out of Portland. And I believe there was a lot of uh, rivalries uh, between Portland, Seattle, and even Vancouver, BC, from what, what I had heard as far as like there's some, some ongoing was, pinball leagues, correct? Yeah, so it was it was Seattle and it was Seattle and Portland. Those those are who the the, the two the two rivalries. Those are the original the original rivalry okay. rivalry. Um, and then it was uh, Portland versus Seattle versus Eugene, Oregon. Okay. Um, and yeah, those were and then Tacoma came in and uh, spoke. We, we don't we don't talk about Tacoma. I mean, growing up in Western Washington, we just don't refer to Tacoma too much. Yeah. The aroma of Tacoma. If you've been there, oh. you know. <laughs> I was, it was uh, right outside of Eugene. There's there's Spring Tucky. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Spokane, it's Spo Vegas or Spo Spokanistan. Okay, so so you have you have pinball is is really growing up in into Portland and really for a big reason because of you guys at what point do you, you know, you're still focusing on being a full line operator, running pinball, running jukeboxes, running pool tables, video games, things like that. Mm-hmm. At what point do you actually create quarter world itself and explain what the, the core world location is? Oh, the arcade. Yeah. So, um, Geez, that was four years ago, this past April. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was five years ago um, that – so I had a little bit of a hoarding problem um, where I would get these ridiculous games. Um, and also every, you know, every time I, I saw a pinball that I could get my hands on, um, I would be like, I need another, I don't, I don't, I don't have that in my collection. I need it. Uh, even if it's a horrible title, Spoken um, like a true pinball fan, actually. Yeah. Just, Oh, there's some garbage pins that we've picked up over the years that I still, still have. I mean, Oh my goodness. And I will also say I have acquired some pins that I'm not super proud about how I came into possession of them, but you know what? Just like this, uh, this game show behind me, I'm not going to go on the record of how I acquired that. Um, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's not the greatest game in the world, but, uh, you know, every time I saw it, I was just like, I did that. Um, <laughs> and also, you know, I would get these pins that the players would be like, oh, you got to get this game. Like, No Fear. Have you ever played No Fear? I remember going to the trade show where it was first introduced, and I maybe played it there. Um, but I, I've i heard a lot about it because I actually get to work with the guy who designed it. And uh-huh. there is lore about at least – the when it was introduced, he came out on a BMX bike or not a BMX, excuse me, on a motorbike uh, in the middle of the trade show because that's that's Steve. Because you could do that back then. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. do a lot of things back then. <laughs> yeah, heyday. No, no, no. So, so uh, yeah, no. So 
that game, no one, no one liked it. Um, except for like the one person. Well, no, the, the person that wanted me to get it. Um, I think they liked it for like a month and then they were like, get it out of here. But the thing I hate about that game is so anyone that's unfamiliar with the game is um, sort of like whodunit. There is a ball underneath the play field that stays loaded. Um, and the way that it loads it is it has this. So it, it, it the, the ball launches and it takes this turn and then shoots across the play field and hits this other turn, which kind of curves it around and drops it below the play field and that locks your ball. Well, in a perfect world, that would work 100% of the time. And it works 100% of the time for about 30 minutes after you adjust everything, and then it just goes to shit. Um, so I hate that goddamn game. Uh, and you still have it. It's up on my racks. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's it's one of the games that I'm like, I'm going to shop this out. I'm going to get it working, and I'm going to send it to goddamn auction. Uh, like, I have a few of them that are like, you're going to auction. You're going to auction. I don't even want to deal with you. Um, I actually have a – it's on my wall over here. I have a, a Judge Dredd play field on my wall over here, and the only reason I have a Judge Dredd play field on my wall is because I bought a bunch of pins and it was included in it. And he's like, I'll just, I'll just throw it in. And I got it. And, uh, uh, judge dread has this very interesting mechanical feature on it. And it is the dead world planet. And the cool thing about it is the, 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 the planet will spin one way, but the rings spin the other direction. So you have this dual spinning motor. Um, mm. And if it ever breaks um, and you can't fix it, uh, you might as well throw the game away because it's impossible to find that mechanical part. So when I got it, the entire that was gone as well as the planet and i was just like scrap it for parts where it's <laughs> we're never gonna we're never gonna complete this thing because that that's never gonna be able to be found so um i yeah i pretty much this is the only thing i have left i think i have some of the ramps but uh yeah we sold the uh we sold the body i someone bought the body off of us quarter world four or five years ago you know, five years ago, you, you've got a hoarding problem. Right. So I got a hoarding problem. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I have all these, all these weird games. Um, like I have an F zero AX, which is a big giant. Uh, uh, if you're familiar with F zero, the, the race futuristic race game. Um, Nintendo. it was originally a, uh, a home yeah. Game. Yeah. I have a, I have a rad mobile from the great movie Encino man. Um, uh, one of Polly Shore's greatest films. I did like. And I believe Sean Astin is in there. Sean Astin and Brendan Fraser is, is Sean Brendan. Astin? Brendan and Brendan Fraser. I don't who is the who is the quote unquote like straight straight man in that straight man? Buddy. Hold on. Oh yeah, we've got to look I'm, it up. I'm IMDb in this right now. Why am I? Why am I stuck on uh, Sean Astin? On that? And no, I saw it in the theater. It is Sean Austin. What? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Megan Ward. 
think that's uh, and Sean Astin's stepfather is Gomez from uh, the Adams Family TV show. Uh, really? Yeah. And his, his mom was uh, Patty Duke. Oh. But he'll always be Mikey in our hearts. Yeah, he will. Mikey. Okay, so you have Radmobile, and you have Rad, F-Zero. Yeah, I got Rad, uh, F-Zero, I've got Panzer, um, I've got, we've got a, uh, you know, we've, we've got a Fix-It Felix, we have Donkey Kong Pauline Edition, um, where Pauline saves Mario. I'm not familiar with that. I, I knew, for the first time, I went to uh, Cidercade in, uh, in Dallas, and they had Donkey Kong 2, which I had never oh. seen before. Where, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was a special made-to-order type game where it, it looked like Donkey Kong, but it was essentially just a, a different software where it, it, it started you in later levels, apparently. That's, that's really what it oh, was. Oh, yeah. No, no. The Pauline edition was uh, there was this programmer, and his daughter was playing uh, Donkey Kong, and she was like, "Hey, Dad, how come uh, the man's always saving the woman?" And he's like, "Well, let's change that." So he made it so Pauline saves Mario instead. So that's that's, that's awesome. The version we have, yeah, you know, I was like, "All right." Um, and I'm just looking at this stuff, and you know, we also owned a few bu- buildings in Portland, and we had this one theater. Uh, at the time, uh, I believe it was called Alhambra, uh, but it's like it was called Mount Tabor Theater. Um, uh, uh, oh, I had another. It had a few names. It, it was it was always a music venue, um, and it was just like nothing could survive there. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if either they couldn't either they couldn't run it very well or they developed a nose problem. Um, so T- tends to happen with a lot of music venues, tend, unfortunately. Tends to happen, right? You know, <laughs> how's everyone get the sniffles over here? Um, so, so finally, you know, the it went down, and me and Phil are standing in the uh, standing in the middle of the the music venue, which is at the time Alhambra Theater, and. You know, it, the, the, they had just trashed the place. It was just rubble, pretty much. Uh, there was like a stack of chairs that they they we didn't leave on good terms either. So there was a stack of chairs, and the very top, I think it was like a bottle of piss, um, and with a <laughs> note with a note on the stack being like, "Good luck," you know. So, so we Classic. were like, "What are we? What are we gonna do with this fucking place?" And you know, I'm like, we need, we need to pull the trigger. We need to just do an arcade. There's only one other arcade in town. Um, you know, and, and I think it's time, time to, time to do our thing. And we originally, we had all these different names we were going to do. Um, uh, there was, um, oh geez. We were, we were just going to call it the pinball museum, which didn't really have a lot of, it, you know. And so many towns have pinball museums. So I know. Um, thank you for not doing it. Was, it wasn't, yeah. Uh, there was a test lab we were thinking about. Um, uh, oh, 
geez, it was so long ago. I, I, they're all written down in a folder somewhere. I think test lab was the one we were, we were kind of starting to re- lean towards a little bit. Um, and then, you know, we were just having beers one night and, and I'm playing one of our pinballs and I look down and, you know, I'm like, just call it fucking quarter world. I mean, honestly, we're advertising all over town, you know, it's it's uh, oh oh i almost forgot uh, uh when i first uh, took over quarter world the other thing the other thing that um uh i did is i'd go around i go hey who are the pinball operators in town and they didn't know who we were they, they, our name was never mentioned um so were you so were you quarter world at that time or were you still going under fritz pfeiffer we were quarter world uh, oh, okay the, okay the game, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Quarter World is is a uh, DBA of Fritz Pfeiffer. Okay. So, okay. so the the um, so the, the 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 games and everything was never Fritz Pfeiffer. Uh, it was always Quarter World. Okay. Um, so what I started doing is uh, every time they would have these tournaments um, that we were involved in, uh, you would win a Quarter World shirt if you won, and the only way to get a Quarter World shirt is if you won a tournament. Um, and uh pretty sneaky oh, sis does your shirt say something on the back of it it does not no this is this is a fresh uh t-shirt from your store okay all right that is that, that was a plug. Uh, that is our online so yes uh that is an og so that was the first run and the second run that we did of the shirts is it looked just like the one you're wearing but on the back it said uh your mom says i'm a winner um, <laughs> of course everybody wanted that shirt yeah because when you're playing that's what they got to read um <laughs> so you so that i was i was just trying to get the word about uh, out about quarter world so like it would just become synonymous with pinball quarter world pinball quarter world so so so, so re- really quick talking about quarter world uh and i've told you this many times and you probably think i'm just trying to butter up uh to you however uh quarter world is one of my all-time favorite places in the entire world it is my happy place um mm. i have a few happy places uh this is one of them uh it is it is a large uh bar arcade style uh location uh but it like portland it has personality has a little grit to it uh, and I was going there even before I jumped on board with, with a pinball manufacturer because I've, I knew Phil before I knew you uh, when mm-hmm. I was running Buck Hunter. So I had known about Quarter World, heard about it, and then finally got to go visit. And um, I was working for a, a company called Andamiro uh, the, the first time I went there. And they, they make the, the games that where you get tickets uh, mainly. So it's it's like that you see it at Dave and Buster's or whatnot. Yeah, Redemption. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so one of the guys uh, that I worked for, uh, his name is Drew Maniscalco, one of the nicest guys in the world. And he his claim to fame is that he created a game, uh, created the whole story behind it called, uh, I was going to say Supersonic Blastman. No, that's a completely different game. Ninja Baseball <laughs> Batman. And we had one in our arcade. My first job at age 13 was a little family arcade we had called Quarters. So another reason why I love Quarter World. Uh, we had a Ninja Baseball Batman. And it was a very rare game because... 
for some reason, DC Comics did not like something to be called Ninja Baseball Batman, even though it had nothing to do with Batman. And also, the bat and the man were two different words. It wasn't it was. Batman. Or bat. hyphenated. Yeah. Hi- yeah. Little, little yes. Yeah. So, so, so it's... It, and it is a goofy, weird game, and all of a sudden I see it at Quarter World, and of course I take a picture, send it to my boss, and he's freaking out. He says, oh my goodness. Well, actually, he says, that's amazing. He says, you're Quarter World right now, aren't you? And uh, I said, that's freaky. He says, yes, that's the only place I know of that actually has a working Ninja Baseball Batman. Yeah, so, and that... Yeah, I digress. We, yeah, and that that was an interesting game to get because... The only thing I could find was the board, and that board was uh, from – I bought that from Japan. Mm-hmm. I found one in Japan, and they mailed it to us, and we built the game around it. At, at some point, I've, I've got to bring it out because I think he gave it to me, but uh, they actually made a comic book series based on Ninja Baseball Batman. I've, I have read it online. I do not physically have it, but I read it online. But it is called Ninja Baseball Man. They had to get rid of Batman for some crazy reason, especially when you go to a comic book. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. All right, you're drawing the line. A few games that we get that we that I get really excited about putting on the floor um, just because they're super weird. Um, yeah, like which ones? Gal's Panic 2. I knew you were going to say Gal's Panic. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> we so during this during this shutdown we i'm not sure if anyone uh you know a lot of people so we we've gone to renting our games out um yes. for the for the home market and that was one of the first arcades to be rented out and it was rented for four months by one person so can you for those people that may not know of gals panic or gals panic 2 okay, <laughs> okay right so so gals panic 2 if you're familiar with the game uh, Quix, uh, it was Q-I-X, right? Yes, yep, that's it. It's, it's so you have to like make these boxes and that like opens up an area and eventually you kind of want to open up the whole screen. And there are um, bad guys all around trying and to thwart you. Bet, exactly. There's, you know, and if they touch your, like while you're making a box, if they touch the line, you die. So Gal's Panic is, is just like that, except as you make a, a square or a circle, uh, it reveals a mm, naughty picture. Mm, yes. Yes. Of, of a naked lady. <laughs> but the other, the other thing about this game is it. So if you have a track mode on and honestly at the arcade, we had this game on a, on, uh, on a timer. So when you turn on the, um, the arcade, just the marquee will turn on just the light for the marquee. And there's a sign inside. It said, this game will turn on at six o'clock and it's in our lounge. And the lounge is 21 and over after six o'clock, 6 PM. <laughs> so the timer at six o'clock, the, the game boots. Um, <laughs> and, and it cat calls you like it says some fucked up shit. Like it's, it's like, I like big, I like big stick, you know? And like, uh, Oh no. Do you think I can please you? And you, you know, you're walking by, and you're like, "What did that fucking game just say?" It's uh, okay. okay. I, so <laughs> I didn't know it was that bad. Oh, it's geez. really. 
I just would sit there and just listen to what it would have to say. And I was like, that is inappropriate on many levels. But, you know, it's it's just people people like the game. Um, so, okay. So, so, so we, so we, we have – you have Quarter Worlds uh, – let's skip ahead a little bit. You have Quarter World up and going. It is a fantastic venue. has a couple rooms. One is a lounge area. Uh, the other one is a – bigger game area where you have Tessie. And if you want to explain Tessie, which I don't think is real because I've never seen Tessie in action. So if I haven't seen it, it's not real. So, so the big room is the lab. So you have the lounge and you have the lab. Um, so the lounge side, obviously it's very loungy. Um, it's supposed to be, you know, quite like you, other than gals panic, we have all the attract track mode off. Yes. Um, but if you go into the lab, the lab sounds like an arcade. Um, you know, the track modes are on. It's loud. Uh, you know, there's lights and stuff going on. But we have a Tesla coil named Tessie. Uh, she she is a solid state Tesla coil, so she can play music. Um, and she came from Chicago. Oh, really? She was built in Chicago um, by a company called Zuzaphone. Um, uh, by a fellow by the name of Steve Click, um, and very interesting fellow that Steve Click. Um, like yeah, if, if you're if you're building Tesla coils, you have to be an interesting person. Yeah, honestly, that's the thing. Like, I met him, I talked to him, I was like, yeah, this is the guy I want building this. Like, it's you know, because you you talk to him about other stuff, and you're just in, and there's yeah, it's just a minor disconnect. Um, but you'd be like, be like, but the Tesla coil. And he's like, oh yeah, no. And he would just go on, uh, you know, my eyes would glaze over. Um, and you know, he, he, he just, he, he knew what he was doing, which was great. And, and so he had never built anything. This thing is seven feet tall and it hangs from the ceiling. So it's inverted. So there's a couple of things we had to take into consideration when doing a inverted inverted dual breakout rod tesla coil um is uh, uh first off they're not meant to be hung upside down um and I mean, t- tesla coils shouldn't be meant to be period but anyway so upside down not great right um we're not intended. so so they get really hot um between so you have your your primary and your your second your primary is like the base your secondary is the red, if you've seen a Tesla coil, it's the red tube that comes up. Um, and then there's the top, which is the Torad. Um, and, and the secondary and the primary coil are not connected. The, the, there's no wires that connect them. That is where the transfer of power happens. And on the second, so you have your primary coil and your, your electricity is coming around and then it transfers over to the secondary and it just really starts speeding up and when it gets to the top of that secondary coil it bursts out and that's when you see the electricity and depending on uh how fast or how long your bolt is is going will determine the frequency of 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 the uh bolt and that gives you your different pitches and tone and with a solid state you can control that so that's how we can make musical notes um, so, so when you're doing it, is is somebody playing it, or is it something that is like pre-programmed and like here's the song and you press play? Yeah. So so it's uh, they're MIDI files that we're playing from uh, from a laptop, but okay. 
Um, uh, this um, Tesla coil is a four channel. Um, so you have four different channels that you can sh play uh, stuff on. So that's how you can play. Like you can have your, your, your bass track, your lead track, your, um, and they get really intense. So we can actually only play, uh, we play like four songs in a row. It takes about like 15 minutes and we talk in between each one to let, let, let it cool down. Um, okay. but we have to compose all these. So, you know, if you've ever looked at a MIDI file on, on what they look like in a program, there's, you know, you got like 28 tracks. And so you have to go through and like get rid of the bulk and then you have like eight tracks and then you have to kind of augment them and kind of overlap some and compose it in a way that can, you can play it through a, a Tesla coil. Um, and it's not the easy, easiest thing in the world. Um, you can get something cause you know, you, you, what things sound like on a computer with MIDI files, you're like, that sounds great. And then you go and play it through a Tesla coil. You're like, that's, that is scary and frightening. <laughs> and it sounds like the exorcist, like throwing up bad spaghetti. You know, you're like, Oh, I thank you for the so, imagery on that. Really appreciate that. That no, no, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Right? But it's right. the imagery is there. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I've noticed uh, that at the bar, there are heavy-duty headphones to dampen the sounds. I believe that's what so, it's for, yeah. correct? Those are mostly for, like, little kids. Um, oh, okay. We, we have, we have, uh, we have um, uh, uh, earplugs um, for everyone. Okay. Uh, so, so, so an hour before uh, Tessie goes live, um, we start handing out. If you come through the door, we're giving you earplugs, um, which are recommended. Um, uh, you know, we, we, we're not like, put them on, um, you know, cause it's, it's very loud. Um, it is, it's like 90 decibels. Uh, it's, it, it's like a monster truck show. You ever gone to a monster truck show? Um, you know, it, it was weird. It, you know, they sold me the whole seat, but I only needed the edge. So yes, I have attended a monster truck yeah. show and it was fantastic. <laughs> right. You think oh, it's, it's the gonna best. Be it's the best fucking th a monster. Oh, like yeah. you're like, you're like, ah, this is just for rednecks and hillbillies. No, no, it's not. It's for everybody. And and if I can just say something, a callback, if you will. Oh, I saw the Tacoma Dome. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we 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 go to the um uh, uh to the what is it called now? Uh, I don't know. Our where the Blazers play. Okay, yeah, uh, I have no idea what it's called, but I, yeah, I swear. I know, yeah, yeah, they change the name a lot. Um, I should know I live here. Um, <laughs> no, we, we, we go there, and, uh, you know, and that was the hard thing. Like, we, we had tickets to go see um, the Monster Truck Show, and then COVID-19. <clears throat> okay, so, so here, Quarter World, it's this awesome place. You have a Tesla okay. coil. You have, have Gal's Panic, too. It is mm -hmm. my happy place. Uh, last time I was there was, I believe, October, November for the, the Betson Portland show. Uh, yeah. uh, so in, in 19 and things are going well. Uh, and in fact, the last time I saw you in person was in New Orleans 
right before the world ended, right before right. COVID really came into the mm -hmm. U.S. And, and in fact, it was after this trade show. This is the Amusement Expo trade show. This is a trade show for arcades and route operators, people like you, uh, route operators. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the terminology that's used to, to see the latest and greatest of all these games and Basically, the last day of the show is, uh, to bring it back to basketball, is when um, Rudy Gobert uh, had tested positive for, uh, for COVID-19, and they shut down uh, the NBA for the season. And that was kind of like the first shock of, oh, hey, guys, it oh, came to yeah. the U.S. This is real. And it, no, it, Yeah, it's here. So yeah, no, I I I remember that, uh, and it was so so we went to that show. We got to New Orleans on uh, on, on a Tuesday. Yes. Um, we or was it Monday? It was that uh, you, week. You got on a Monday. I got in on Monday. I got back into Portland on Thursday. We shut the arcade down that Friday. Yes. Everything's upside uh, down now. Everything and it's fun. so we shut it down on that Friday. Uh, that was our our decision. We weren't the like the the state the mayor. No one was like shut it down. No one said anything. We were just like we have a we have a social obligation um, because it's an arcade. I mean, you know, uh, and we're you know we were wiping stuff down. We were doing every precautionary thing we could. But I mean, you know, it it's an arcade. It just like, takes like you have said. It's a handsy place. It's a handsy place. And so we, we, we shut down. No one else did. We shut down. Um, that Monday or I, th I think it was that, t that following Tuesday, um, they, the, the government of, of Oregon came in and, and shut, all the, shut all the bars down, or shut everything down. Um, schools, everything, just pulled the plug on everything. Um, and the following monday we started home rentals so okay so so covid's happened yes all of your revenue streams have stopped and most people in the industry are running into this manufacturers can't build anything even if they could most of their customers are not able to buy anything because they have no revenue coming in so having that that big trade show was kind of like a no reason to because uh, even though you had a shiny new jukebox or you had a shiny new dart machine or whatever it was, no one's going to be buying it. So people are really freaked out, but you have no revenue coming in and you're not just standing there and saying, okay, well, there's nothing we can do. You guys are one of the few companies that actually say, Hey, let's try something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, 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 we decided to, uh, uh, pivot our, our business model and uh, and rent to the home market, which uh, you know we had rented games in the past, uh, but more to you know we would do summer big summer events. Um, uh, you know we 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 have here uh, every year they would do something called City Fair, and we would do a pop up arcade there. Um, we would, they would do music festivals and we would do stuff out there, um, out in the gorge, just, you know, we were all over doing, doing, but, but we were renting to businesses. Yes. Um, and you know, we had people ask us before, like, Hey, can I rent a game in my house? And we're like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, cause it just seemed like a barrel of hair. It was, it was just a lot of stuff 
and uh, you know that we we just weren't I wouldn't say we weren't equipped we just we didn't want to get into that avenue it was just a whole different aspect of, of stuff to do um, and we were pretty busy with everything else we were doing so so I was like well we're not doing that so we're doing this now so we quickly kind of came punched together a contract um, you know and a kind of a liability waiver uh, to make sure that like you know if if they decide to leave town with our game like we're at least covered in that if they break anything um also to make sure that if we're you know if for some reason you know they they they, the machine burns up and burns their house down we're 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 fine too um covering our butts uh so so we did that Uh, that that was that was later on a monday we launched the list of stuff we were going to run on on that tuesday um we started running we get a um local uh oregonian uh did a a story on us um and that kind of shotgun things um and uh pretty much we sold that we we rented every single pinball that we we had available um yeah out of out of the quarter world location correct out of the quarter world location and also everything we had in our warehouse um so it was about um all in all, we rented a hundred and hundred and thirty pieces of equipment, uh, and and so those are rented. And now I'm looking at how long are my locations that have a lot of equipment in going to be shut down. Uh, and it, at the time, it's it's looking like a month to two months. So I'm like, all right, well. <laughs> oh man, I love when we were so optimistic. I know, then. right? Back in back in March, like you're like <laughs> oh, this is you gonna know, be like, over in a couple of weeks. We're good. Couple of weeks, you know. It's just you know, I'll just go to the coast, and, you know. So I pull all my pins out of my big locations, um, uh, and we shop those out, and we start preparing for round two. Um, of rentals and uh, the CBS morning show reaches out to us. Yeah. Sunday morning, correct? Sunday, Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah Sunday morning, um, which, which is like a national level. Um, and, uh, and they're like, can we do a story on you guys? We saw the Oregonian piece and we're like, Oh, okay. So they, so they do, they do that. Um, and meanwhile, we're trying to get pins out really fast because we don't know when they're going to shut the state down. Um, and, you know, because there's this impending stay at home order with essential workers um, only out, uh, uh, which, you know, in hindsight, the term essential is very flimsy because it's it's very flexible. <laughs> did you know that uh tamales are essential in the in portland because no one stopped the tamale man i mean can, I'm, can i can i tell you something i would oh, argue yeah. that they're correct because tamales are delicious they are delicious oh my goodness there's there's two things that'll get me get me up and about it's when i hear the ice cream man or when i hear tamales and uh, i'm like oh, oh tamale <laughs> man's coming I will push over an old lady to get to a good tamale. Mm, God, now I'm hungry. Thank you for that. Uh, okay, welcome. so so CBS Morning comes up before before that aired. You had about 130 games out. So now this amplifies it. 
So yeah, so now I've got people calling me uh, and emailing me from all over the U.S. Um, obviously, I'm not gonna. I can't rent a pin to like you know New Mexico or anything. You know, it's a bit of a commute. But but people are actually being like, I have a nephew that lives in uh, Oregon. Can I rent him a game? Uh, can I do this? Well, so here's the thing. So so uh, after the first round of rentals, we had, we had to shut it all down. Because I ran out of equipment. So we get more equipment and we open rentals back up uh, on uh, on a Friday. Um, and I had uh, four, we, we scrounged together like 40 more pins. Um, and I'm like, okay, you know, and I, I we're, we're on Facebook and, and stuff. We're like, hey, we're, we're going to be opening rentals back up uh, uh, on, on Friday at, at 10 a.m. And we open it back up and we rent every thing out in 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> all, all the games, they're, they're, yeah, gone. And like like it, that, that's, and I had to, the way I had to do it because it was like 10 o'clock hit and I got like a hundred emails um, just like, boom. Uh, so I had to kind of go through um, the emails with, you know, with the timestamp to kind of uh, figure out like, you know. Like first come, first serve, essentially. First come, first serve. And I had to be kind of yeah. diplomatic and, and nice about it. And then they'd be like, oh, I want this pen. And I'm like, ah, it's rented. And they kind of would go back to the end of the line, unfortunately. So, you know, we were just doing the best we could do. Um, so sell everything out, 20 minutes. Uh, and then and then that Sunday, the Sunday mo- CBS Sunday morning show airs and we had just we sold everything out again so then we get however uh uh between uh if if you if you know all the, those biz, people with businesses that have facebook pages you can look at the analytics and uh in between the oregonian the oregonian show and the uh, uh cbs you can see like like new likes and then the and and then the uh, CBS just like our, I was like, wow, we, we got like 2000 new followers, uh, because in, in, in a two week span, I was like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of the world falling apart. I know. And well, we took it down cause we painted, but, um, we started getting all, all these cards in the mail, um, from people. Um, Oh, oh there was someone that sent me some, um, they would just send like, like pinball, uh, enthusiasts were sending us like these little trinkets. Like, uh, someone sent me like the, the, the sticker you put on the pop bumper for Funhouse, Um, uh, and you know, we, you know, it's just like, we, you guys are great for what you're doing. Thank you so much. And so just like, like, I don't know if you do this at your house, but like during Christmas, you kind of hang all the cards up on a little yes. string. Yeah. We started doing that and like, it would like, it, at first I like, I'd tack them up on the wall, but then we kept getting them. So I had to take this long uh, string and like, it went all the way, you know, we, I, I think we got like 50 thank you cards. Like it was the outpouring, you know, from all over, you know, like Louisiana, you know, Illinois, uh, uh, Tennessee, like all over the place. Um, it was just really nice to see the, the outpour of encouragement. Um, hmm from from everyone that you know it, it just really sh- kind of struck a chord um and then you know every, everyone got the same idea to start renting pinballs as well so you know 
So now, no, not only were we renting pinballs in Portland, but uh, everybody you know that has that could. I didn't think three other operators jumped on the bandwagon. Um, so now it's odd, just like you know how you're always kind of jockeying for bars to get your games in. Now suddenly now you're, you're jockeying like, for homes. Now you're jockeying for home rentals. Um, but we cha- we we decided. You know, the thing about I think us versus them is we changed how we were doing it to make sure that even when the world start backs up again, we're always going to be doing home rentals now. Um, we have, obviously there was an audience for it. And honestly, you had created that audience because you had trained all these people to play pinball in Portland for years. And then when they were stuck in home, the, one of the biggest things other than the beer that they were missing was the pinball. And so so shakes, the itches, you know, Yes. And, and so you, you know, we're, we're in a weird spot and, and I want you to kind of talk about, you know, where you guys are as far as being able to come back to quote unquote normal and how that's balancing with this new side of the business that you create with the home rentals. I mean, we're in Portland. We're, we're still phase one. So any slice of normalcy just does not exist right now. Um, you know, the, the bars that are open are only limited to, uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's 25 people, not, not, not 25, it's either 25% capacity or 25 people. It's just not okay. including staff. Okay. Um, and most of it is, you know, uh, outside, uh, you know, like arcades aren't allowed to be open right now. Movie theaters aren't allowed to be open right now. Um, uh pool uh it, it's it is banned so you can't play pool um uh there was there's a and, and you know this happened actually nationwide there, there's uh the states that allow like lottery machines like you know slot machine type yes. type of things in bars the go you know the government was like yep you can do that but all these other games nope you can't do that and and one of the reasons why the states did this is because they get a slice of they get a slice of that yes and so they need money and we were like no 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 no. there's you can't you can't have no you can't do that it's either no nobody gets to do anything or if you guys can do your lottery we can do our arcade machines it's the same thing all right yes. your stuff is is a touch screen you're touching all over you know our stuff is just kind of localized in these little areas with the, with the pinball buttons or the joysticks or whatever um so oregon kind of were, were they were, you know they're okay you're uh, you're right we're being assholes um but some states like i think it was ohio um the uh you know the operators uh sued sued their own state because um, with ohio they were saying okay the only thing you can operate is a jukebox but that's if you have an app so the, the two biggest jukebox companies are touch tunes and ami and each right. of them has an app on your phone so you don't actually have to physically go up to the jukebox you right. can select the song pay for it through your phone so you can use that but nothing else but hey by the way we have casinos and you can be open Exactly. And you're like, that is bullshit. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and, and unfortunately, I mean, one of the things that's going on here in Oregon is that they, they released a, like a phase one, phase two 
protocol in in the first draft it nixes all arcades and everything well all arcade equipment so all games pinball and all that stuff but they revised it so that yes. stuff was allowed but they blasted the first edition so there's a lot of bars and stuff out there that are were still under the assumption that those games were uh, banned and the Shitty thing about Oregon Lottery is all the uh, representatives and, and texts for that were saying the same thing to the bar owners. You can't, they uh, can't play this. They're not allowed to play this. This is an illegal game for people to, so you have to shut it off and do that. And I, you know, people will call me up and they're like, you got to take the game out of here. Um, and so why are the locations asking you to take the games out? So a couple reasons. One, yeah. uh, they need butts in the seats. Um, and everything needs to be six feet. So they just don't have the room. Um, those games need to be treated like lotteries. So, um, if you want to play a a pinball or an arcade game, you have to get a staff member, bartender, whoever they come wipe it down. You play the game. You're done with the game. You let them know, Hey, I'm done playing the game. They wipe it down again. Um, and then, then, you know, some places are, uh, shutting off like every other game just to kind of make it, but, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of work. Um, yes. and if you think about the money that people pump into a lottery machine versus the money that people pump into a pinball machine, um, as far as a bar standpoint where, you know, you're looking at your revenue of what's coming in, you know, lottery does make a good hunk of money for a lot of bartenders, and, you know, you need to look at square footage. What is going, what per square foot makes the most money? Yes. Is it a so if, you, if you have to take equipment out to spread out your tables, what is the equipment that's going to stay? Right. You know, uh, and, and that one of the things that we're telling people is, hey, you need six feet. Keep the pool table because the pool table is a natural distance start. You know, I was like, put a pool table right here, put a table here and here. Boom. Look at that. Six feet. And also you don't want to move a pool table in and out because those are heavy and then you have to I, level them. I'm just throwing it out there by chance. I I built two racks during this thing that are full of pool tables. Do you know how stacking pool tables Oh boy, there's no thank you. The, the bottom ones, you're like, yeah, all right. But once you start getting to the tall ones, there's this one, the top one that I have to like lift it up and over this garage rail um, to get it into place. It's a bit of a Jenga, but you know, I'm come from a long line of forklift operators. <laughs> okay, so so you you're you're dealing with this. It, you're, you're able to operate in some of these locations that are opening up, but it's not like it used to be. The revenue is down. And oh, also, I mean, re- revenue yeah. is down like 80%. To, so, still to this day, because you're still in phase one. So not much has changed since you've been. Yeah, yeah. and you, you, you have, I mean, it's great. I mean, you know, jukeboxes have really kind of picked up because that's kind of all you have to do. But, you know... Uh, Still, I mean, you know, they're just the numbers aren't anywhere near. So, you know, that's the great thing about the home rentals is it does it does offset that. It's it's allowed us to kind of carry on. Um, I wouldn't say business as usual, 
Um, there's been a lot of uh, augmentations that we've had to make uh, to to last as long as we have so far. Um, and you know, we're we're looking, we're wondering what Congress is going to do with this next relief package um, that they can't seem to come to a decision on. Yeah. So um, just we're recording this on Saturday, August 8th. And yes, uh, Congress is at an impasse and president is talking about doing executive orders at this point. Oh, I didn't I didn't hear about the executive executive he, orders. He, uh, he spoke about it last night at a uh, campaign rally slash press conference uh, in New Jersey and uh, light on the details. Uh, but uh, he, he had talked about a few things, but nothing is set in stone obviously. Yeah. So, okay. So we're, we're in a funky space right now. Uh, what is going on with the quarter world location? Uh, because when you shared the picture with me again, this is one of my happy places. I wasn't so happy, but it's for good reason. So please explain what you guys are doing. So anyone who's ever been to quarter world knows that, uh, our, the lab, the big area, um, the, so, Little backstory, the lab, the big room, that was once uh, uh, quarter world. The building was built in uh, 1905. So the building itself is like 115 years old. Um, and it, when it was built, it was originally a movie theater. Um, and the old movie theaters, you had these ramped rooms and you would stagger the, the chairs, uh, the seating. And that's how you would watch. Unlike uh, you know, today where everything's kind of on risers, it was just a slanted cement floor. Um, so that's what's underneath um, the uh, actually both sides, the lab and the lounge. Um, well, the one in the lab, uh, well, that floor is like a hundred years old. Um, so, you know, there are some soft spots uh, that needed to be attended to. So we pulled everything out of the lab, ripped the floor out and put a new floor in. And, and while we were doing that, we decided to um, augment some of the space a little bit, do a little reconstruction, um, paint. Well, if you can see behind me, uh, there, the, the colors of the wall, the, the brown um, was never a huge fan uh, and we kind of have a, uh, color palette here at quarter world. It's, it's sort of a black, gray, and blue. Um, and we, we actually have a, a quarter world blue, a quarter world gray and, you know, black's black. So it's now the proper quarter world colors in there. Um, uh, now is is the flooring completely done now, or are you starting yeah, to? Uh, almost, okay. almost. Uh, there is a couple spots that still need to be worked on. It's it's sort of getting to the point of fine tuning, but we're redoing some of the lighting in there. Um, there's a bunch of little projects that we're working on, so that when we open, it's you know, and 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 one of the cool things that we're doing is uh, we're making it so because before we were kind of because there was walkways, we were we were stuck to the configuration of of these walkways and everything and what we've done is we've eliminated the restrictions so we can reconfigure how the layout of the quarter of the arcade is however we feel fit now 
So if we, you know, if we have a big party going on, you know, and we need to like maneuver stuff around, we're not restricted to making sure like, well, this has to be here and this has to be here. So that, that opens up our opportunities. Um, we've reworked, uh, um, some of the stuff in the lounge as well to be able to kind of better utilize that area, you know, just sort of where games can and cannot be. It used to be, we can't put stuff here. We have to put it here. We don't have to do that anymore. We can do whatever we want. In the lounge is my favorite area because uh, last time I was there, I was listening to Johnny Cash sipping on a uh, M. Bison uh, a, a cocktail that you guys had created, Street Fighter themed uh, yeah. cocktail, and listening, listening to Johnny Cash playing Atten's Family. It was fantastic. And it's just a little yeah, yeah. darker in that area and... Oh, we got this big so black light, uh, uh, black light pictures on the wall. Um, those are staying there, right? Those are still there. Yeah. Okay. No, we, okay, we the only thing we did, uh, so in the lounge, uh, we moved the ramp. If you've ever been to quarter world, there was a ramp right in the center of the, uh, just yes. dividing the, the room. Um, we've moved that. So now that, uh, there's like an upper, an upper deck and a lower deck, a lot more space for activities. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So I, I, I've talked your ear off a lot, so I apologize. I, I know it's a Saturday, but uh, one thing, uh, is there a place other than uh, renting games out from you? And, and if you're still doing that, where would they go to do that if they live in the Portland area? And then how else can people support Quarter World? Well, uh, if you want to rent a game, uh, just go to our website. It's uh, quarterworldarcade.com. Um, and there is a little tab on there that says home rentals. You just click on that. It shows you what we have available for pinball or arcade. Also kind of gives you a rundown of like, just how we do things, you know, our delivery zones, what the cost of, uh, the rental is. If you want to do quarterly rental, it's cheaper than doing a monthly rental. The other thing that we do with our rentals, which, uh, I think is awesome is, uh, when you rent from us, you get points. And you can add those points up for like a month free rental, you know, like uh, shirts, swag. Uh, you can rent out some time with one of our technicians. If you want to l- learn more about the inner workings of a game, you know, uh, you can you can do that. Or, you know, if you want to get better at your game, some of our technicians are some of the best pinball players that I know. Uh, you know, uh, they, they play me under the table. So so many, so many cool things you can do with uh, that, that feature and, and, you know, and if you want to support us in another way, uh, we have an online store uh, on our website as well. Uh, you can buy a, a Quarter World shirt like the one Ryan is wearing. Not this one, unfortunately. Oh, oh, not this that, one. That this work is, shirt is fantastic. This is the, the work shirt. It's funny. When you guys wear your uh, Stern shirts at some of the, the shows, I'm mm-hmm. always like, we shop at the same store. There's there's another thing. If you've also ever been to Quarter World, you, there's these wonderful blue cups where change is good. You can can buy a uh, uh, pretty much a beer pong set from us, um, and these are all your cups. That, that's the funnest thing. I, I, I believe that is the next purchase I'm going to be making. So <laughs> the beer pong set, uh, yeah. Uh, what you know, however you want to do it, you know. Next time when we're open, just swing by, say hi. You know, uh, it's it's uh, it's a wild ride. You know, uh, every every week well it used to be every month but now it's like every week it's just sort of a what's next yes yeah and that's one of the reasons why 
why, why we're doing this, right? We want to put a, a spotlight on on what's going out there. Uh, you know, I mean, you guys are one of the reasons why there's been a resurgence in pinball. And, you know, if there's any way we can help you out, at least let people know what you guys are going through. Hopefully we'll, we'll help uh, get you guys stronger, get you some more support. Thank you to Logan Bowden for his time and insight. This was the inaugural episode. And if you like this, we will make more. However, we need to hear from you to know if you liked it or not. So a few ways to get a hold of us. You can go to ballsave.com or you can email us at ballsave at iCloud.com. We're on the socials at Ballsave Group on Facebook and at Ballsave Group on Twitter. On Instagram, it's ball.save. We will be loading an unedited version of the interview with Logan on YouTube so you can see some of the things that we were talking about. And you can also hear about darts a bit more. And there's actually a funny little story about us first hanging out. Not only do we need to hear from you, we also need your help. We need a logo. We also need intro and outro music. So if you are inclined, please give it a shot. Send us your artwork and uh, some of your tunes, and we will use them. And sometimes we'll change it up, but uh, we'll give you full credit and we'll share it with the world on our social media as well as on our website. So again, thank you very much for spending so much time with us. And Debbie, call me.